I thank you for your support on today. Because you didn't have to be here, but I appreciate it very much. Elder Hammonds, I thought Elder Hammonds was talking about somebody else until I looked at them pictures and I said, somebody has been on my Facebook account. <laughs> Praise God and all my brothers here, all the ministers, deacons, and everyone. God bless you, evangelists as well. A little bit about this book. Um, this particular book, <laughs> the Lord gave me a dream in 2007. And um, in the middle of the night, in that dream, he said, write a book on fatherhood. But I said, I, I just got the information, and so I just kind of was shaking my head. And so I um, had it, and, and all of a sudden, I, um, I went back to sleep. I, what I did was I wrote it down. I wrote it down, woke up, wrote it down on a piece of paper. It was pitch black in the room. And I reached out for the pen and pad, and I just said, fatherhood, boom. And I went back to sleep. After that, when I woke up that morning, I happened to look at it when I was making up my bed, and I said, fatherhood? What does that mean? I did not remember writing it down. And um, it took me the rest of the day to figure out what it was that God was showing me. And then after I received that information, I said, well, Lord, <laughs> nobody's going to want to know about my little family. I said, we haven't done anything. You know, we're not celebrities. We're not anything like that. So why would I do it? But I was obedient. And so I wrote it, but I did not write it until after I read Bishop Blake's book, Free to Dream. I couldn't put it together until a few months later. Once I read this book, that book opened up my mind to what I could do, the possibilities of writing this book. So to tell you this, I would not be the father that I am now if it wasn't for Bishop Charles E. Blake and this ministry. There's no way. I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for him and Lady May, who are so nice and so kind to me. Now let me get to the lesson for today. First, before I go to the lesson, I want to give you the stats on absentee fathers. These stats are overwhelming, but I'm going to give them to you. It says more than 800,000 parents are in federal and state prisons, and 92% of them are fathers. 2.7 million children have a parent in prison or in jail. Fathers behind bars are not connecting with their families, either behind prison walls or upon release. 38% of African-American minors live with both parents compared to 74.3% of white children. That is what, this is what fatherless homes produce. It produces 63% of youth suicides. 90% are runaways. 85% have behavioral disorders. 80% are rapists with anger problems. 71% are high school dropouts. 75% are patients in a chemical abuse center. And 85% are youths in prison. As an officer in the state prison system, I saw up to three generations of families in prison and they were awfully proud of it too. Boys need father figures. If they don't have one in the home, they may go out to a gang and get that need met. And that will lead to violence and in many cases, sexual, sexual abuse. 24.7 million children in the United States live in a home where their biological father is not present. 
279% of kids are more likely to carry guns and deal drugs than their peers with fathers in the home. Daughters are less likely to engage in risky behavior when they have consistent closeness with their dads. Divorces are one of the leading causes of fatherless homes. Now what's amazing to me is that in slavery, our families were taken from us with the fact that we would never see our children again. Now, we just walk away from our families. How would our ancestors feel about that? The title of my message today is The Christian Home. Deuteronomy 6, 6-9 says these words. And these words I command you this day shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall walk of them when you sit in the house. When you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you will bind them as a sign on your hand and shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Here is what seems to transpire in life. The first generation is passionate. They fear God and keep his commandments and his inward desires that shape their lives. The second generation is polite and somewhat goes by God's commands and they conform by convenience. The third generation is less enthused and leave God's commands and reject by preference. Why? Because the second generation starts to lose focus and thinks that the old ways of serving God is not up to the standards of today. So they do less teaching and less going to church. As they learn new technology and new ways of thinking through high school and especially college, they start to form a pattern outside the scope of our fathers and grandfathers, especially when it comes to serving God. Although scripture in Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ is what? The same. Yesterday, today, and forever. I have seen Christian youth change after college graduation. Although the change does not uh, always come with learning, which is exceptional, and we need that, but it sometimes comes with individuals that you meet on campus that have a different theory and upbringing. So watch out for your associations on campus. Their philosophy spills out onto our children if they are not rooted and grounded in the word and learning from their family. Our children are not born with values at birth. It is given to them by family members and friends who make a huge impact on you during your lifetime. When you identify a value that you may not want to hold on to anymore, that you grew up with, ask yourself, where did it come from? Malachi 3.6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews 13 and 9 says, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. So God does not change. His word remains the same. He said in his word in 1 Peter 1.16, for it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. No matter what generation we enter into, God's word stands. God desires parents to exhibit and to teach holiness to their children. And this scripture backs it up in Proverbs 22 and 6, which says what? 
train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. We may have knowledge of his biblical commandments, but we have no love for his ways. We want to do what we want to do, even though we know what the commandment of God says. The children, the Christian parent must do everything to pass on the heart of passion for the Lord as well as the knowledge of the Lord's commands, even as we increase in secular learning. In the midst of secular society, it is easy to leave God out of the training of our children. For any child to be a good child, that child must be raised by God's truth and to trust God. There are many voices telling us how we should raise our children, but many of those voices reject God's purpose for our children. Many Christian families have bought onto the secular thinking that their children are just living as immorally as our society around them. They know everything about the world, but nothing about the word. And these are Christian children, okay? There are many aspects of fatherhood and motherhood in the home. First, how do we know what our place is as a dad, fathers? The worldly view of fathers may seem a little distorted from what the Bible says it should be. Who or what example do we have to ascertain how we should be or how we should act? The father is the spiritual leader of the home. He doesn't dominate with an iron hand, but with love. A loyal father is one who can be trusted to be there today, tomorrow, and as long as he lives. He is committed to his wife first and then to his children. Don't get it twisted. God communicates his word through the fathers to the children. The ability to commit means that he steps forward and is faithful in his responsibilities. Is he someone who is just a seed planter? And I think we know plenty of them and shirks his obligations. What are his responsibilities to the family? A father should be a model for his children to follow. That should be your role model. The father is a stabilizing force of the home. He rears his children from infancy through adolescence to maturity as a young man and woman. A father shows compassion to his children and walks in integrity. A father trains his children up in the ways of the Lord. And the memories of my dad, my dad taught me scriptures at night, mostly before I went to bed. And um, in the morning, like a Sunday morning, I would want to go up. He was a deacon in the church. So I would want to go in and sit by him. And then sometime I would get sleepy and lay on his lap. But with my dad, he used to wear the wool pants. And man, when I, my face hit the wool pants, my face would be itching. Oh my God, if you know them wool pants they used to wear back in the 50s and 60s, oh, they were terrible. But I wanted to be with my dad, so I suffered. But I was good. He teaches us, the father teaches them the word at home and sacrifices much to instill proper guidance and direction in the home. A father is a hard worker. Am I getting through to anybody today? However, he does not work so much that he is constantly absent from the family. Now, some jobs vary, and you must be away. If so, find a way still to stay connected with your children. All work and no play make for a broken family. Don't lose sight of what a family really is. You can make all the money in the world, 
but money does not take the place of your love and your presence in the home. There is no substitute for a good father to be at home nurturing his family. He takes his time with them to share life's problems and steer them in the right way to live. He helps them with goals for the future. A father takes the time to have fun with his children and teaches them what type of friends they should have. As has been said before, my wife and I have three sons. While growing up, we were always navigating their friend list. This started early on as children. We let them know that this particular one young man isn't your friend. He would come over and try to divide the brothers against each other, so we had to go. Basically, when he went, they started fighting with each other. We said, where y'all getting that from? Oh, that spirit was up in his house. He can't come back in here. Can't have that. These brothers got to be tightened together. It would be interesting. I'm spending all the time trying to keep them together. And then we get one person that comes over and tries to tear them apart. Another time, there were neighborhood bullies around who would start fights or try to intimidate them. And this little guy almost all will also try to intimidate me at the same time. Um, I went and got his father. I said, we ain't having that. He used to stand across the street and stare at me, trying to intimidate me. I said, okay, all right, you don't know what I got. Actually, what I got is this. This is what I got. Even if I have other stuff, this 66 here is better than any weapon you could ever have in your life. This Bible is what's going to do it. This Bible, you heard about that story uh, over at uh, North Campus where someone tried to come in and uh, disrupt the service because of guns or whatever that would be. He, I think, had a gun in his hand. Man, the Lord slapped him down as soon as he got to the gate. That's what I'm talking about. You come on this church ground, you don't know what's going to happen to you. So the same thing should be said when someone comes to your house to try to do damage. He should be knocked down in his tracks. Amen? Now, I invited him over, and I was direct but gentle in my conversation. And to that effect, we had no more, we had no more issues, but there were still issues out there. But as my wife and I prayed, prayer again, they moved from the neighborhood. A father watches over his children and prays for them consistently. A father teaches his daughter what to look out for as she grows up and shows her love, shows her love and exemplifies that love by showing her how he treats her mother. Amen? If a father treats her mother like a queen as she is, then she will know how to be treated as a spouse later in life. A boy raised in a home should be able to see the tender, caring love that a father gives to his mother. And I got to go back to this story. My dad was in the military. I was a military brat. We got to travel around, well, not around the world, but several parts of the world and uh, in the United States. So my dad, he was uh, um, in the Air Force, and uh, he was stationed at Vandenberg at the time. So he would be gone from Sunday through Friday. So when Friday comes, I was excited to see my dad. and run and jump in his arms, daddy, 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 you know? So I would do that, and then my mother said, okay, um, son, uh, daddy, she's tired, he needs to have dinner. Okay, okay, so I go watch TV, and at that time, the programs that were on in the 60s during that time, I think it was 62 or three, was the Flintstones and Rawhide. Y'all remember them programs? 
So I watched that on a Friday night. However, after my dad finished, my mother would come sit in the living room in the chair, and all of a sudden, they're warming up water. And I said, well, what's going on? My daddy was giving my mom pedicures. So she didn't have to go nowhere and get no pedicure. He was doing it at home. Amen? All right. That's a little hint to some of you brothers. <clears throat> this one in April, I'm sorry, kind of got funny to me. <laughs> this will enable the boys to treat girls at home uh, or at school or in the neighborhood with respect. Daddy can teach his sons how to treat their sisters, uh, their sisters, because he is treating his wife with love and honoring her. Uh, girls will learn in the home how to treat their brothers. Um, my sister, she was six years younger than me, and I always treated her nice, but you know, she was a lot younger, so I you know, feel I didn't have a lot of time with her. But she said, you know what? She got a Susie homemaker, one of those Susie homemaker ovens. She got one of them, and she said, um, can I cook you something? And I said, I, I don't know. How's that? Is your hands clean? You know. <laughs> yeah, they're clean. Okay, all right. Well, and it was she put it in the living room. She said, let me just fix you something. All right. So she fixed me some a chocolate cake. When I had the cake, I said, this is good. Fix me some more. So she fixed me another piece or whatever. I had it. And by the same token, because she was so nice to me in the home, you know what I did? She had a problem with a neighbor next door. The neighbor next door was a little girl named Nisi. And she's here now, Nisi. <laughs> Nisi used to beat up on my sister. And so when I was, uh, we were overseas in Germany, I had taken karate and judo. So I said, come here, Belinda, let me tell you um, how to um, take care of Nisi. So I showed her a couple of holes and a flip. Man, the next time Nisi came over to mess with Belinda, she flipped her and put a hold on her. Nisi never bothered my sister again. On the other hand, girls can learn at home how a father's love will enable her to have confidence in herself because he is telling her how beautiful she is. Dad will teach his boys about dangers in all areas of life. He will teach his sons respect and not to talk back to him or to the mother. Now, if I talk back to my mother, I'm going to get knocked under the table. She's going to go get a switch outside at the Peach Street that was outside of our house, and she's going to whoop me. And then when my dad gets home, I'm going to get the same thing. So I ain't talking back to nobody. All right? And this is what we need to teach our children. He will instill and nurture and discipline them when needed and will help them to become smart and intelligent men of God. Discipline comes in many forms. Hebrews 12 and 11 reads, for the moment, all discipline seems not to be pleasant, but painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So we need to pray for guidance on how to um, discipline our kids. Now I know I got many whoopings. I got whooping just for looking at stuff. It's just, oh my goodness, I just, I just kept doing stuff. I get a whooping, kept doing it. And it's like, when are you going to learn? You know, so... I learned one time when I stole something on the base. And when I stole something on the base, my father found out I stole some rings. And me, like a dummy, I wear the rings to the dinner table. 
That's what happened with criminals. They get caught doing silly stuff. Well, I wasn't a criminal, but I might have been on my way. So I go back to the room, and I get some more rings, put the other ones up, and they were colored. I put some more on. I come back at the same dinner table. My dad said, where do you get them rings? Wait a minute. They were a different color. He said, you went to the commissary with me today. Oh, my goodness. Did you still? Oh, boy. So he found the rings, and there was a furnace in our room, in our room. And so he took the rings. He didn't take them back to the store. He put them in the furnace. And while he put those in the furnace, it was open. He picked me up and he whooped me like crazy. I just saw fire. <laughs> I literally saw fire and fire was burning my behind. So I'm going to tell you, <laughs> better be good out there, okay? A dad will teach his daughter not to look for the boy in the neighborhood or school who will try to entice her to have sex by letting her know how gorgeous she is. You got to do it, brothers. You got to do it. His daughter or daughters will not fall into the trap of being used by boys at school because he and his wife are, are schooling those girls on how and what to look for in boys. The father establishes his love for his daughter by telling her all the time that she is smart, intelligent, and beautiful, and that she is worth her weight in gold. Now, some girls I knew in school, they got too confident with that message because they were walking around saying, I'm fine, ain't I? And I said, did your daddy tell you that? <laughs> but they had confidence. So I couldn't knock that. I said, okay. And, but those are the girls that would go around beating up on boys. So I, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. I said, something twisted here. Moms and dads affirm your girls and boys. The devil tries any method he can to entice a beautiful Christian girl into an illicit relationship. If the father in the home stays faithful to his family and teaches his daughter about the wolf in sheep's clothing, then she or they become aware of the tricks to deceive them, and this tactic will not derail the future of these young ladies. Amen? You want to praise the Lord right now? If you want to. If the fathers leave the home, then the enemy moves in. Mark 3.27 reads, No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man, then he will spoil his house. Men, fathers, look out for the things that will spoil your house. Look out for the distractions of the world that will bind you so that the enemy will not get a foothold into your life and destroy your family. Sex, drugs, the love of money, drinking, gambling, lies, cheating, all these things make you an enabler to Satan. I'm talking about Christian men, not worldly men. King David was distracted by lusting for Bathsheba, another man's wife. He should have been at work with his men on the battlefield. That mistake cost him and his baby son and ended up in murder of Uriah. When David did not punish his son Amnon, for raping his sister Tamar, who was Absalom's sister as well, that whole process started a chain reaction of devastation in his family. Also, trying to fit in with the guys at work can distract you. For me, after a day at work, some of the guys wanted me to go out and drink with them because we had had a hard day. Whether it was a riot, fights, stabbings, even suicide, we had a very disturbing day. I would always refuse and tell them that my boys were waiting for me to get a hug and a kiss from dad before going to bed. 
or I was going home and watch my favorite cartoon with them, or I would say that my wife is waiting for me to get home, just say no. You don't have to be involved in that stuff. But most importantly, I did drink. I drank coffee, tea, lemonade, soda, water, cranberry juice, orange juice, apple juice. <laughs> That's the kind of drink that I did, okay? If I wanted to go lift weights after work or go to the batting cages, I would have already informed my wife of my whereabouts. As a married man, I had a responsibility to check in at home. We had already established that concept in our marriage, and I believed in this philosophy, and I did not feel intimidated or henpecked. And I dare you even say I'm henpecked. <laughs> we loved, respected, and trusted each other. That is what's, what marriage is. But now, I don't have to tell her nothing. <laughs> she can track me on my phone. Being a father in the home is not about machoism, but it's about my family. It's about my comfort, my joy, where I can let my guard down and just be me. Well, I can just be me anyway. I'm not going to try to be nobody else. I ain't putting on no airs. I'm going to be me, period. I'm going to be me at church. I'm going to be me at home. I'm going to be me at the store. Wherever I go, I'm going to be me. Do not be pressured by other men to do things outside of your family values. So. Here's a value that I want to share with you. <laughs> yes, I wash the dishes. Yes, I do the lawn. Yes, I empty the trash. And I wash clothes. Although I had a problem drying clothes for a while because I wouldn't all the way dry them, and I would fold them damp and put them up, and my wife would say, would you, <laughs> would you get these clothes and put them in the dryer and just use the cycle the way it's supposed to be done? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so now I dry the clothes and put them up where they belong. Yes, I clean the toilet. Why is that just the wife's responsibility? However, toilet cleaning was interesting when my sons were little because the spray pattern around all the area of the release was brutal. The aim was no aim. It had to be taught. <laughs> I had to teach them. <laughs> I had to teach them. That's training up a child, right? Okay. Oh, and I cooked too. We get distracted because we don't put on the whole armor of God. Luke 11, 21 says, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his house, his possessions are safe. When your house is safe, there is peace. So for me, I would anoint the walls, I would anoint the driveways, I anoint the kids at night. You know, sometimes they wake up wet. They say, what is that on me? I had already prayed for them. Some of them, I don't know if they knew or not. Now, on the walls of the home, I wouldn't oil down the wall or anything. You just put a little on and just touch it. You know, you don't want your, your walls in your home to look greasy, okay? <laughs> That's too much anointing lately. Peace at home is showing love to your family. Embrace your sons and daughters when they are young and tell them that you love them. Can I say that again? Tell them that you love them and show them that you love them. Embracing and hugging your sons and daughters is not a sign of weakness even as they grow older. They need that. They will only be in your house for a short time, so make it count. Men, we should develop a stronger relationship with God, our spouse, and our family. 1 Timothy 3 and 5 states, For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how can he take care of the church of God? 
How is our relationship with our spouse? Do you treat your children better than you do your wife or husband? The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. What is the key to the family dynamic? Our spouse is the essential key to our relationship with God. How we treat her, what we say to her. Ephesians 5 is clear, is a clear indication of Christ in the church and his bride. You wonder why your prayers are hindered in the home? Because you're not treating each other with respect. You're not treating each other right. There might be an issue in that area. And that's when you need to come together and get together so that God will bless your home. You want a home. You want something else. Your, your prayers are hindered. So you have to pray, seek the Lord, how to deal with each other in the home. Amen? This relationship dictates the future of our family. If we respect, honor, and treasure that spouse, then our children we, uh, will see that at a future time, it will produce fruit, good results, and emulate that behavior. Are you getting anything out of this today? I'm doing all right? We as parents, mothers, and fathers need to educate our older children so we turn a curve here, how to deal with the police if they get stopped. If they get pulled over, have both hands on the wheel. Don't make any sudden moves. Yes, sir. No, sir. Do exactly as they say, even if you are in the wrong. Don't talk smart to them. Be courteous. If they ask for your license and registration, say that you have it and tell them where it is. Ask them if it's okay to retrieve it. Remain calm. Do not exit the vehicle unless they ask you to. You have the right to ask them what you did. If they say shut up, then you shut up. Get out of the experience unscathed. If you are treated unfairly, deal with it after you get home. Try to remember everything that happened. And always, always pray as you are going through the ordeal. Do not, if you are guilty, do not get out of the car and run. You don't know what is on the mind of that particular police officer. Now, all police officers aren't bad, so let's get that straight. Okay? We know that for a fact. But we have to teach our young people exactly what to do when they're in the presence of law enforcement. There should be no reason why we should have another young man shot, another young man killed. Okay? If we teach them, they'll know what to do, even if they're wrong. Amen? Now, this actually happened to my sons. They got stopped. Uh, I had forewarned them what to do when they ever got stopped. And because I forewarned them, they were able to get out of the situation, which was unwarranted, and it was a lie. They told me about it, so I went down to the station. I talked to the supervisor and handled the situation. I said, where is the guy that actually gave them the ticket? I want to know what's going on or stop them. They said, we can't let you see it. I said, okay, all right, I got you, but have him call me. So <laughs> he called me later on that night, and he tried to tell me that my sons lied. I said, I did not teach my sons to lie, especially in the presence of law enforcement. So, and after I had told him what I did, he said, okay, all right. So we got it, he apologized, and that was it. So, saints of God. Have a vision of what you want your family to look like. 
The vision and the dreams you have may seem too big for you. Am I preaching too long? Okay. The size is not as important as having one and starting it. With God's help, it can happen. Dare to be different and beat the odds that are stacked against you. The odds sometimes are in our minds. That's why the Bible says we got to renew our minds daily. Get a scripture. Get a scripture for your family. We have, uh, let's see, in 1980 when I got married, I think 81 or so, we established Psalms 91 as our prayer scripture for our family. 1 through 16, Psalm 91, and it's still in evidence today. You can't play with the devil when it comes to your family. You can't even play with the devil when it comes to you. Amen? You are the only one who can fail yourself by not trying. God gave you a family for a reason. Pray for a strategy and a plan. Parents are in charge, not the children. So set the pace. A happy home is a disciplined home full of the love of God. Now, speaking about the love of God, why are we at church praising God and we leave our children at home to their own vices? If my teen wanted to stay home, I would say, no. You're coming with me or us to church. There are the stay-at-home kids who did not come to church with their parents who got involved in having sex. Some would go out to steal or rob someone. Now, in today's time, they would be involved with internet porn or start a relationship online with an adult who entices him or her to meet them at a particular spot. If your teenager says that they are sick and can't go to church, you say, well, I'm going to stay home with you and we can be sick together. However, if I find out you are not sick, you will be sick after I finish with you. I gotta have some water after that one. Now, this did not happen in our home. I'm just saying, <laughs> you might want to use that. This is not a time to lose our grip on our beloved children. We have invested too much time in them to see them slip away to a cesspool of sin. Not only teach your children the word, but there are chores to do in the home. I know kids that don't do nothing. Just lay up in the bed, get up at 12, do what they want, tell mama, can you cook me some breakfast? Well, it's lunchtime now, bud. Dishes must be washed, kitchen swept, trash emptied, the lawn has to be cut, dust furniture, wash their own clothes as they get older. Now, when I was a little guy, my mom had me stand on a chair to wash dishes, and I must have been five years old. I said, mom, what you doing to me? You, you eat off the dishes, right? And you gonna wash them. All right. Teaching your children how to cook and to specialize in certain meals, preparing them for the future. How many young ladies don't know how to cook today and they want a husband? My wife did that to our kids. <laughs> she said, y'all gonna know how to cook something. In case something happened to us, you gonna know how to cook. My wife was a household technician. That means she stayed home mom. Amen? So she had to learn some skills, and I respect her for it. And I respect her for it. How do we as fathers navigate through the madness of the neighborhood, the traps that are laid out for them, whereas people who want to see them destroyed have no meaning or value for their life? The bait of Satan is attractive to our children. 
It's out there. We as fathers and mothers cannot be around our children all the time. But what you have implanted in their minds will make them think about the decisions they are making. Their brains are trying to decipher all this information. The wonderful words of wisdom and comfort that have been submerged in their subconscious will help them so they can regurgitate a thought or a scripture to stop them from going in the wrong direction. I remember as a kid, I needed a ride to go somewhere and I knew some friends that had a car. As soon as I got in the car, they started lighting up joints. I said, oh, Jesus, no, nah, mm-mm. And these were church kids. <laughs> and I said, oh, no, no, no. Let, oh, stop the car. Let me out. I got out and walked where I had to go because I wasn't going to be, uh-uh. My mom and dad worked too hard for me. I didn't like whoopings. I didn't got enough whoopings. I don't need to go, them to go down to jail to pick me up out of jail because I don't in the car with y'all. You're guilty by association, right? And I believe that we can plead the blood of Jesus over their lives, our children, and produce scripture to back up their faith in God. We need to know that God can protect them, that he can stop them in their tracks. Psalm 91, 7 says, A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. You got to believe what you're reading. The scriptures that are given to you that you read, you got to believe them. You got to put them into action. Verses 9, 10, and 11 reads, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For I, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. God honors his promises to his children. We must trust our Bible. It is our roadmap and our guide in a world full of sin. It is also very important to monitor your children's behavior. Notice little idiosyncrasies about them, patterns that may be different, aspects of their nature that may be of a concern. If married, ask the wife, is everything well in the home? One may be at work and the other at home. Both may be at work and a babysitter is hired. Ask the babysitter if they notice anything wrong or is everything all right with your child. And that goes in many very forms of things uh, about your children. As parents, notice their mannerisms. How does your daughter or son act? What are they playing with? Amen? Look how they walk. Constant monitoring of your children will give insight and you will be able to discern certain things and you will be able to pray for your child. You got to pray. The enemy wants to influence them at a young age to disrupt their lives. I am sharing this information with you not to embarrass you or to condemn the way you are raising your children. However, what if this information changes the direction of your wayward or disobedient child or grandchildren? When we minister to the congregation, we are sharing with you what God has given us under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And he, God our Father, wants to change the direction of our society. The change starts when we are not being prideful or thinking that we are being exposed. The church is for healing and deliverance. The gospel message is a conduit for change, for restoration, for forgiveness, to help us to live a better life. When we go to the hospital, we have no problem following the doctor's orders. He tells us to take off our top so he can examine a particular area of our body. Or he says, take off your shorts so he can give you a colonoscopy. 
We are not embarrassed then. Only when we come into church is when we don't want a sin or problem exposed for us to be healed. We say that the preacher is getting into my business. The exposure is not you telling everyone about your business. It's about you acknowledging to God because he already knows. He wants you to take a leap of faith. Sometime is coming to the altar. However, you don't have to tell us. Tell the Lord as you come. Muhammad Ali, as a boxer in the ring, had a system later in his life, and it was a rope-a-dope technique where he laid on the ropes, covered up, and let his opposition wear themselves out by outpunching him. His combatant got tired, and Ali knocked him out. Ali won. But the devil doesn't get tired. He keeps hitting you with blows until he wins, and your family succumbs to the injuries because your faith is weak and not seeking God. Hallelujah. If your son or daughter are going through a difficult time, don't you want them to be delivered? You are trying to save their soul from hell. Aren't you tired of the devil? Whatever your child is into and you know it isn't right, don't you want to change? Don't you want peace of mind? I cannot express the importance of bombarding your children with every spiritual influence that you have at your disposal. The power of prayer, anointing your children is key. The reading and studying of God's word is so important. Also, our children seem to know more about worldly music than its artists, than Christian music and its artists. There is phenomenal Christian artists and music in every scope, from jazz to rap, hip hop, all under the Christian label. Amen? My sons hit me to many variations of music that identifies with their age group years ago. Look into that, because the lyrics and lifestyle must match up to what you believe. It is not okay to hear lyrics that use profanity and demean women or constantly use the N-word. Listen to music that have a testimony and not just always a feel-good rhythm, even though it does make you move. Listen to music that lifts up your hung-down head, your depressed spirit, your agonizing soul. Young people, as you go through your problems, you are not alone. You can be saved listening to Christian music. Your spirit can be fresh when listening to Christian music. You can be an overcomer by listening to Christian music. You can be victorious by listening to Christian music. Be young, be hip-hop, but be saved. And filled with the Holy Ghost. Take your children to church whether they want to or not, especially as they get older. It is the key to their survival. For some things to change, you have to fast. You have to change your surroundings and even some people that you hang around who are toxic. You may, you may require to, uh, to make a complete 180 degree turn. Excuse me. This is 2022, in the midst of a pandemic, and you don't want to change, knowing that God has blessed you and your family to live. When millions didn't make it, you were one of the ones who did. Many in our world are fighting against the core values of the family, the nuclear family of husband, wife, and children. Even though we are praying, my focus is not on them. My focus is on Jesus because Jesus is the answer. This is spiritual warfare. Everybody can speak but the Christian. They always want to get us, but why don't we stand up for Jesus when things are wrong? Spiritual warfare cannot stop the people of the Lord. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 12, and 13, for we wrestle not 
against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. Stand for holiness, saints. Stand for righteousness, saints. The spiritual forces of this world are strong, and it might seem hard to fight against it, but if you and your children are filled with God's presence, the Bible says in 1 John 4 and 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I am done. God bless you. Could I have all the fathers to stand, please? If your father remains standing. <clears throat> it's time to recommit our lives to Christ. And if we're weak in a particular area, we're not strong in prayer, fasting, whatever the case may be, Allow God to permeate your spirit now. Let him do something on you that has never been done before. Being faithful to God, not only in your walk with him, but in coming to church and being involved in ministry of the church in some way, volunteering, whatever it is that God would have you to do. But more importantly, take care of your family. If there's an issue in your family, put the blood of Jesus over it. Your son, your daughter, you may not be married, that's okay. But if you have a child out there, take care of your children. It's time out for the enemy uh, grabbing our children and taking hold, doing whatever he wants to do. Not when we have this. This is the guide. This is the rock. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for these men that have stood up, these fathers. Lord, I pray right now that you do something special in their lives, Lord, as they recommit their lives to you. God, I pray for them, for their families, for their wives, if they have a wife, for their children, Lord. Let them be responsible fathers, holy and acceptable unto you. Lord, I pray right now that you touch them in the name of Jesus. Heal them of any sickness they, that they may have in their bodies, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you bless them, not only on today, but Lord, continually throughout their lives, Lord. If they need a job, give them a job. If they need extra finances, bless them, Lord. Oh, God, do something for their children, Lord. Protect their children as they're out there in the world, as they go to school, Lord, wherever they may be. Lord, bless them. Some may even want to get back with their wives, or they may desire to be married again. Bless them in those areas, Lord, but let them be faithful to you. Let them trust you. Let them seek you as never before. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, if you are family with those husbands, would you stand? That means uh, the family. Have the family stand with the, the husbands. If you're here. Lord, I pray right now that the blood of Jesus cover these families, God. I ask that you bless them in a special way. Create the love 
that needs to be there for them, Lord. Oh, God, I pray that you bless them abundantly with their dreams, their goals, their desires, their ambitions, God. Lord, let there be less fighting in the home and less arguing in the home and more love in the home. Help husbands to love their wives. Help wives to love their husbands. Recommit your values to your husbands and wife. God, I pray right now that you bless them. In the name of Jesus, protect their homes. Keep their neighborhoods safe. Bless them in every way they go, their jobs, their retirement, wherever space that they're in right now, God. I pray for the victory for these families.